On episode 238 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn the five reasons why tennis players can't serve properly with special guest Peter Freeman. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey there, this is Mirban, and welcome back to the podcast. And also, welcome if this is your first time listening. And today, we have a fun and informative interview with Coach Peter Freeman, who is probably one of my favorite, if not my most favorite, tennis people on the planet or tennis person on the planet. Peter has a great resume. He is the founder of Crunch Time Coaching, which produces a lot of amazing tennis content on all aspects of your game. Peter has coached Division I college tennis players and has produced state-level and national-level champions. He's been awarded the honor of USDA Georgia Pro of the Year. And he's been coached under Tony Palafox, who was John McEnroe's former coach, and Frank Brennan, former Stanford University coach who won 10 national titles. Pete undoubtedly has a huge passion for tennis and will do whatever it takes to get your game to the next level. And he also hosts TennisCon, one of the biggest and best annual online tennis conferences each fall. And I want to educate you about um, the five reasons why tennis players can't serve properly with Peter. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing in just a minute here after I finish this introduction. And I think you'll really get a lot of value out of it. Uh, The tennis serve is the most important stroke, in my opinion. We serve half the time in singles and, you know, our side um, serves half the time as well uh, in doubles, of course. And today you'll learn a lot of great uh, reasons why people have trouble with the serve and what you can do about it. And I also want to really highly encourage you to join the seven-day serve challenge, which I will be joining, and you should too. And you can go to tennisfiles.com slash serve challenge, excuse me, that's tennisfiles.com slash serve challenge. And that link is also in the show notes page. And so I definitely highly encourage you to to join that and join me and Pete and, you know, many, many, many other people um, because this seven-day serve challenge is going to help you improve your serve and this the serve is something you definitely want to maximize uh, in terms of its potential for you and your game. And with that introduction, I would like to launch straight into the interview now. So without further ado, here's my interview with Peter Freeman on the five reasons why tennis players can't serve properly. Everybody, welcome to another episode of the podcast. And I'm really excited to have my good friend and great coach, Peter Freeman, on the podcast. He has been on the podcast probably the most out of everybody. And I always love talking to Pete. I feel really relaxed, you know, when we're chatting. And, uh, you know, he's a wealth of information with tennis. So, Pete, what's up? How's your day going? Well, I'm glad that I'm so relaxing to you. That that just makes me feel great. I, I've always said I really hope this guy 
can just relax when we talk. And to know that I'm soothing to you is just wonderful. So I'm doing fantastic just off that alone. Love that. Thank you, Pete. Yeah. You know, I mean, sometimes when I'm interviewing and I watch myself back, you know, afterwards, like I'll see that I'm like somewhat tense or like I'm looking really serious. And, uh, you know, with you, it's just a calming effect, you know, the great Peter Freeman, you know, we've, we've just chatted so many times. So it's, uh, it's nice. Um, but yeah, you know, my name to, to Pete aromatherapy Freeman. P A T F. Nah, that, yeah. That's good. That's good, man. Yeah, you should do that. Um, and yeah, it looks like you had a great day because I, uh, you know, we were texting earlier today and maybe at like 12 or one o'clock, you send me a picture of, of a glass of beer and you said how you loved your job. So uh, how do you, uh, how did you get to do that today? Well, I have to be relaxed in order to be relaxed, to relax you. So I, at, oh. at, uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a beer uh, at lunch and I would, I love to go to this one place and I usually get bubble tea there. I actually did get bubble tea as well, but then I had beer, the food, the computer, doing a little bit of work on my seven day serve challenge for you guys making nice new videos, 100% new videos, all that kind of good stuff, new training. So got to relax on doing that. Beautiful. Love that. Love that, Pete. So today I am very happy to talk about the five reasons why tennis players can't serve properly. And, you know, Peter and I were discussing what to talk about. And, uh, you know, this is a great topic. And it also does tie in with Peter's uh, seven-day serve challenge, which is awesome. And, you know, a lot of people have done it and have really enjoyed it. So uh, if you want to check that out, definitely go to tennisfiles.com slash serve challenge. And we'll have this link in the show notes page for you to click. So don't worry about that. But Pete, I, I have always actually struggled with my serve. It's, it's a tough shot. You know, it's like, it seems like it's, it should be easy. The ball's not, you know, you're not having to move towards a ball or anything like that. You toss it yourself, you can control yourself, but it's really not that easy. So I, I do want to ask you, obviously, you know, your, your five top reasons and I can, you know, provide some of mine as well, but uh, let's just go to the first reason why tennis players cannot serve properly. Yeah. So, I mean, most people, when they start playing tennis, uh, they either do a couple things. They go out there with a buddy or they go out there with a beginner tennis class. That's usually the two ways people get introduced to it. And of course, it's a natural thing to want to play right away. You want to, you know, you watch TV, you see the serves go on TV, you know, you got to serve to start a point. So you want to do that as soon as possible. And, you know, the fastest way to start learning how to serve, which makes the most sense if you don't know advanced technique, is to just grab it like a frying pan. Uh, you're basically like in, a, in an aggressive semi-Western grip, and, and that's going to push the strings right to the court. So you just basically have that frying pan grip, you tap the ball forward, it's in the box, and you're playing tennis. So in the short term, that is the fastest way to start serving and get the ball in and playing. So it's it's not a bad thing if your goal is like, I want to play as, as, you know, as quick as I can and learn how to play a real tennis match. Now, the problem becomes as you start to get kind of good at the game and you start to notice other players at your club, you're like, wow, they have a good serve or my, my coach has a really good serve. When I watch TV, they have amazing serves. You know, everybody I'm playing with and looking around the club, you know, about 85% of the people at the club don't have a good serve. 
And, and the reason why is because most people start out with the exact like I'm explaining and then to relearn it and completely change the grip is a really tall order. And so that's one of the biggest reasons right off the bat why people don't learn how to serve properly. And so this podcast that we're talking about, my seven-day serve challenge, you know, this is a negative title, right? Why you don't serve properly. But what I want everybody to understand is that everybody can learn how to serve properly if you follow the correct steps. And I think that it's a big desire of most players who play tennis, especially most players who are going to be listening to a podcast like this or watching a YouTube video who are, or might sign up for my seven-day serve challenge. You know, this is, this is a more hungry crowd. So if you're hungry and you're willing to follow the right steps, you can do this. You can be one of the people that stands out from the crowd because the crowd playing tennis can't serve properly. Now, Pete, great stuff. I'm wondering, you know, I guess, changing the grip and, and having the right serve technique may not be for everybody. So can you tell us like who is the type of person that maybe they shouldn't worry so much about changing their technique versus like who is somebody that they should definitely, you know, change their technique if they have a certain sort of approach or, or goal or anything like that? I think that's a great question because I don't look, I, my goal and job as a tennis coach is to look at each individual and figure out what they want, what makes them happy on the court. And so if people look at the challenge of learning how to serve properly and they're like, that's just too much time, then don't worry about this. If, if, if you are what I would call a weekend warrior and you just love going out, hitting the ball, you love competing, you love your 3-0, your 3-5 league, and you don't want to be overwhelmed with something else to think about because you've got a job, you got a family, you got kids, and, and you're like pretty good at your 3035 league and you love it, then don't worry about changing your grip because you know the mass of tennis players are serving with the wrong grip and the wrong technique. And so you're gonna have plenty of competition and be able to win and lose more than enough matches out there and have a great time doing it without having to change your grip. So if this becomes too much of a stressful thing and you don't really want to change, you don't have to change, that's number one. But I, I do think that the odds of that happening with people listening to this podcast and watching a YouTube video and going through courses, I think the people who are gonna be fine with that is a low number. I, I think these are uh, what I like to call totally obsessed tennis players. and so. They are looking to get to the next level, not only just in winning matches, but, you know, one of the people that I teach, he said something really that I, I love, you know, he's like, Pete, you know, of course I want to win my matches, but it's more important to me. I want to learn how to play beautiful tennis. Like he wants to learn the art of tennis. So if you're somebody who just wants to win matches at all costs and you don't really care about, you know, going level by level up and you just love your competition that you're in every week, don't worry about changing your grip. If you're somebody's like, you know, I want to win, but what's even more important is I really want to, I want to learn this art of tennis. I really find it a fascinating sport and I want to do things the right way. Then you should probably change your grip. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that, Pete. Uh, I mean, for me, just to give you some insight, you know, I, I'm playing against tough players, you know, mostly 5-0, some 4-5s um, and they will eat up 
the return if your serve is not, um, you know, placed well or doesn't have enough pace or enough spin um, variations of that. So uh, I'm always looking to improve my serve. And, you know, if you want to really achieve your potential uh, as far as, you know, levels, then you, you do want to take the time to get the right technique. But, you know, if you just want to have fun or you're content with your level and you just are purely okay with just trying to win with strategy alone and, you know, of course, other factors like mental game and stuff and fitness, then, um, well, you know, you don't I, have to I change. Could, if I yeah, can yeah. stop you right there, Maribond, because um, I've heard you said in the beginning, you know, that, that your serve, you think it could get better. Um, I would love it if you did the seven day serve challenge. And mm. one of the cool things about the seven day serve challenge, is it's not just about going through videos. Every day we got a very specific assignment. We break the serve down into bite-sized chunks. And then one of the cool things you can do is I also offer free coaching during that week, like mm. real coaching where you can use the app that I have inside of the challenge and you just click on the, the video button, or you can even use a text. You can write me a text message and put a YouTube link or a Dropbox link and show me your serve. And I will analyze it for free and show you, hey, this is what I really like about your serve, Maribon. This looks really good. And you know, I think this could improve. Maybe it's your toss, maybe it's your, your rhythm. I basically show the actual individual. So this is not just about going through through the courses that you guys love. I know you guys love to do step-by-step -step video courses. That is there. But if you want to go the extra mile and get free personal coaching from me, you get that as well. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. Hell yeah, Pete. That's a great idea. I'm going to try and do that. Set aside some time. And and with that challenge, I'm curious, you know, for my own schedule and to inform everybody else, like, are would you say that, you know, each of those days... Uh, you'd have to be on the court to hit balls or is it like at home or is it a mix? That's a great thing too. This is a brand. I've done the serve challenge now, seven day serve challenge. This is our third year. This year it's all new videos. And one of the things I'm adding is I'm adding at home training because it is in February. So every year, some people would sign up and why well, I can't get out to the court because it's, it's too cold or if there's, God forbid a COVID lockdown and where you are, you know, so people have different challenges out there. Uh, just a busy week at work. That's why I also suggest you go lifetime access so you can do it over and over again. But I'm doing at home training as well as on court. So each day you're going to get a lesson that you can go out there and do on the court step by step. Just follow what I'm showing you. Usually two or three drills to go through. And then I'm also doing at home training as well. And don't take the at-home training for granted. One of my favorite, I'm like so happy that there's this movie out there called King Richard, which I think Will Smith is actually nominated for a Best Actor Award. So that's kind of cool to see a tennis movie, you know, actually get some nice publicity and be out there. But the, the young ladies who play in at Venus and Serena, when I was watching the film, I was like, oh, Thank goodness, there's finally, they finally got some good juniors. So it's so I don't have to like turn my head to watch the tennis. <laughs> and I was shocked to find out that these two young ladies never played before. And wow. the one who played Venus, and you go watch her serve, she looks good serving. 
which people, as we know, and there's many of you out there listening, if you are 3035 or struggling 40, and you just look at your own serve or you look around all your peers serve, you know that there's not many beautiful service motions out there. If you've been playing 10, 20, 30 years plus, these two young ladies never played before. And it's not because they're, see, now you could go, well, they just must be younger, more talented. No, they had great step-by-step -step coaching. And the coach said, you're not hitting a ball for two and a half months. I'm going to teach you the art of how to serve. I'm going to teach you each progression. We're also going to learn in the style of the Williams sisters. So not only do I want to teach you what a professional serve looks like, but we're going to learn how to look like these, you know, greatest players of all time, Serena and Venus. And if you watch the lady who played Venus, her serve looks a lot like Venus and she never played tennis before, but the coach didn't let her hit a ball for two and a half months. So do not sleep on the at-home training modules. Yeah, for sure. I'm really excited to, to have that too, because, you know, weather is fluctuating and, and that's it's great to have that. And yeah, I mean, it's all about prog progressions, like you said. You can't just go into a match and, and start it, <laughs> trying to change your serve technique. Um, you know, it starts with the shadow swings. Awesome. Awesome, Pete. Let's go to the second reason why tennis players cannot serve properly. Okay, let's do that. I'm having a lot of fun, by the way. Are you relaxed? Me too, man. I'm, I'm even more relaxed than when we started. Oh, good. Good. Well, <laughs> Thank glad, you. Uh, doing something <laughs> right here. Okay. So the second reason why most people never learn how to serve properly is that every time you play a match, you're digging yourself deeper and deeper into that technique hole. Okay. Mm. Cause What's you're that? going out there and now you're starting to develop a serve and you know, it's not the right serve, but you're starting to develop a serve that is battle tested. It's what you do under pressure. And so, you know, that starts to really ingrain the muscle memory because you start out with the wrong grip, you've developed it, and now you're starting to play your matches and you're figuring out how to get a little better and a little better and a little better with the wrong grip. You know, you're starting to learn mm -hmm. how to hit a, serve a little harder. You're starting to learn how to place it a little better. But at the same time, that serve is only going to go so far. No matter how many buckets of serves you hit, the hitches and glitches that you're developing are going to stay there and get even more ingrained, you know, and, and, and no matter how many vast serves you hit, if you have the wrong grip, you're not ever going to really be able to go up there and, and hit a super aggressive slice or kick serve. You're going to have to poke the ball in there. there there's a couple of people who can go out there and hit a flat second serve fairly hard and get it in, but there's not too many of them. And uh, so that's what's really tough about playing these matches and also trying to learn to serve the right way. It's, it's, it's a tall order. And, you know, later in this interview, I want to kind of walk people through, well, how do you navigate both? Because I don't want you, if you do love to go play your leagues and you get a lot of social out of there, I don't want to pull you out of league matches for like two or three years you know, so you can learn how to serve properly. Um, you don't have to do it like that. Then I'll explain how I'd like you to do it a little later as we get into this. 
Pete, I'm really excited for that part because I actually was able to get a, a lesson with Vesa Punka, who I had on the podcast. I'm trying to remember if it was episode 226, but uh, double check on that. And yeah, he's a great coach, president of Junior Tennis Champion Center, um, which is in Maryland and TFO and Kudla and Robin Montgomery. They've all trained there. And so, uh, yeah, like I said, I had a lesson with him and he found out that, you know, one of my flaws is that I don't look at the ball long enough. And very interesting, he noticed that because of that, my body would collapse and, and you know, I would open up too, too early um, simply by not watching the ball. So I found that to be a really, really insightful um, lesson. But at the same time, I've had so many uh, USC League matches. I've got a 9-5 men's combo league. I'm on a couple of uh, mixed 9-0 uh, doubles teams. And so it, it's really tough, you know, when you're playing the match to, to, to make even a, a, what seems like a simple change of like just watching the ball throughout, you know, you, you, you hitting it on the serve. Um, it's tough, especially when you get at the crunch time, you go back to what you used to do. And, you know, like you said, like your strokes may feel really good because you keep hitting them over and over again. But in reality, you're, you may be pulling away even more so than more from what you need to be doing on the other side of the spectrum. So appreciate you mentioning that that trap <laughs> mm -hmm. absolutely yeah. yeah yeah man so uh yeah let's go to the third reason pete okay so the third reason we're kind of building these ideas together and you know if you do play a lot of tennis you, you you'll you'll know and we've we've all felt this with certain parts of our game you know there, there are certain things that we can get away with and work that we know long term we don't want to keep doing and so this becomes a really tough thing. So number three, and you have to be honest with yourself, is your ego holds you back from really learning how to serve properly. Again, you mm. might have, you get, you get in your beginner at some point, everybody's beginner at some point, then you kind of get the bug, like, I love this. Then all of a sudden you get in a league and maybe you take your lumps the first year and lose a lot of your matches at like two, five, three, oh. Then all of a sudden you start winning matches at three, oh. And then all of a sudden, you quickly learn if you have decent hand-eye coordination and you just start to get some court sense, all of a sudden, boom, you can just zoom up to the three, five level. And, and then you can start to figure out, okay, there's certain people at the club, like I got their number, you know, and, and mm. I walk around the club and everybody knows that when I play Mike or Susan, I own them. Like I own Mike or Susan. And especially what if Mike or Susan is somebody that you don't really like that much too. Like they're just kind of annoying, you know, and we all have those people that Pete. even if we do like them, we know that if we ever lost to them, they would run and tell everybody in the club that they got you, you know, even if it's a practice match. So you just can't let down your guard, right? Because we all build up those kind of like a reputation in our little ponds. And so <laughs> We want to keep our rank. We don't want to lose to somebody that we know we own. And, you know, to start to learn and to change, you might have to take two steps back before you even take a step forward. And that's really hard to accept for a lot of people. I'm, again, going to get to how you don't have to take as many lumps as maybe you think you do. But it is a hard thing to kind of put the ego aside and to maybe lose a match or two. 
uh, to people that you really don't want to lose to. But if you look at the greats, they're willing to do that. And they're willing to do it in front of the whole world. And they're willing to do it even when things are going great. Probably the best example I've ever heard, which I couldn't believe, is Tiger Woods when he first came out. Like, I mean, Tiger Woods became Tiger Woods right away. You know, everybody heard of Tiger Woods. He's going to come out of Stanford. He's amazing. And then he backed it up by winning the Masters really fast and just being the best player in the world really quickly. And then I think it was like maybe two to three years into his career, he had a slump to where he was losing. And everybody's like, what's wrong with Tiger? Because, you know, Tiger is like the best by far. And Tiger said, I'm changing my swing. And they're like, well, why are you changing your swing? You know, like you're Tiger Woods. Like, why would you need to do that? He's like, because I want to get better. And I, when I get this new swing, I'm going to be so much better than I am now. And lo and behold, like the next year after he had a slump, he killed everybody, everybody. Mm. And that, that's an awesome example. And did he, so I guess you said he went through a slump, right? So did he continue playing tournaments as well, yes. even though, okay. He, he, okay. he did. He did. Mm-hmm. He continued to play tournaments and he had a rough year, but he kept working on the, the swing behind the scenes. And so all of a sudden it could assimilate into match play. So, you know, That's I don't know key. if you want to, yeah, definitely Pete. And I don't know if you want to go through this yet or, or hold off till later, but again, the question is how did Tiger do that like you know was he just laser focused and like he said i don't care what i what place i get in this tournament these tournaments like i'm very conscious about my exact swing pattern and i'm hitting it during the tournament or did he still try to win but then immediately afterwards like practice a thousand balls of the new technique like you know how did that work well, and remember, we Tiger's going to have a lot more time than the people listening to this podcast. You know, the, the, the true, people, true. I call these people totally obsessed tennis players. Most of you out there are adults and you love tennis just as much as, you know, Tiger Woods loves golf or Rafa Nadal loves tennis, you know, um, just as much as Coco Golf loves tennis. You, you, you love tennis that much, but you don't have the time that they have. You don't have the time that they have to put into it. But you do have some time to get better for sure and to learn how to do this the right way. And, and I think we have unrealistic expectations of how to bring it out in match play. That's really what it comes down to. So let me ask you this question, Mirabon. If you have this idea, then we can use it even better. If you don't, then I can just go off an example. You know, have you ever had any kind of invention in your head that you'd go, man, if I could you know, make that, I, you don't even have to tell us what it is. You can just say yes, you know. But if you want to share what it is, that'd be even cooler. You know, like, man, I thought of this idea. You know, sometimes you have those shower ideas. Like, if I could, if I could sell this thing, I'd make a bazillion dollars, right? Have you ever had an idea like that? Have you ever had a million dollar idea that you would like to share with the world? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have? Yeah. Okay. Now, um, is it a physical product? Like something that would be on a shelf? Uh, actually, no, it was not. An app. Okay. Do you, it's an app. Okay, an app. Cool. An app's perfect. Okay. Do you want to share the app or not? Or is that too personal? No, it's not too personal. And you know, I'm I'm trying to exactly remember what it was. It might, I think it might have been like a GPS app where it also had like um 
social media like elements into it. It was actually okay. like a, it was funny, funny story, like a group of, um, of colleagues who are, you know, good friends too. Like we would actually meet like, uh, once a month and we formed this, like this, at uh, this app group. And we were trying mm-hmm. to get, we, we brainstormed different apps and like, we were trying to get each other, like each person to do like certain parts of it. And then it just, you know, it never worked. You know, there'd be like one or two people or whatever who wouldn't put in exactly like the amount of work required. And then eventually like we just broke up the group. <laughs> yeah. So, you see, yeah. you see, you see that it wouldn't work. This is, this is so perfect. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, an <laughs> app is a great example. So Maribel wants to build a product of an app. Okay. So he's got this great idea. Now, obviously, everybody'd want to just snap their fingers and have the app go on people's phone and have it work properly right away. And this is the problem that a lot of adult tennis players have that I see, unfortunately, is you'll watch a YouTube video, you'll get super fired up, and then you'll go, this makes perfect sense. I can't wait to go try my match. Doesn't work in the match. You think there's something wrong with you. Okay. Is this yeah. unrealistic? It's just, you know, you, you have a great lesson with your coach. They show you one little thing on your serve. It works in, in you know, for, for that amount of time. And then again, boom, you want to go out there and you want to use it in your match. And all of a sudden it doesn't work. So you start to think there's something wrong with you, but what's wrong with you is your expectations and your process. Like if you are really serious, like if you thought of your tennis game, like building an app, or like building a product that you have to sell in Walmart, where people are going to be opening the app, testing the app, you know, clicking this, clicking that. And all of a sudden your reputation is on the line and you obviously want people clicking and doing this and everything works seamlessly and it, it works, you know, like it's a real product that can, that can stand, you know, people trying it all kinds of different ways. That takes time. You don't, Notice how I even was asking Maribel, like, do you want to share it? Do you want to give your idea? Because again, a lot of people, they have an idea that they're actually working on. They don't even want to share it with the world. Why? Because it's not ready. They don't want to let the cat out of the bag. They don't want to say what it is. Somebody might steal that idea. They know, hey, before I share this with you, there's a lot of behind the scenes work I need to do to make this thing work right. And so here's my best advice that hopefully will give you some peace of mind on how to really finally develop how to serve properly. Don't put the pressure to reveal your product as soon as you learn a new thing, Mm. right? Like if your serve today is just tapping the ball and you're trying to learn how to serve properly, well, go use your, go there, no stress at all and use the serve that you know works. Go use the product that you know is working in matches. Keep using that product. Even though you know it's an inferior product, it works, okay? So keep using that product. And then behind the scenes, you are developing your next level of serve. And you're doing it, working Mm -hmm. on one thing at a time. You know, if you're going to build an app, you don't build the whole app at once. You're like, okay, I got to build this part. The next thing is I build that part. The next thing is I build that part. And then after I keep with each time I build a part, I got to test it. I got to beat it up a little bit. I got to see if it's going to work. And you do that behind the scenes. Now, once you start to feel working behind the scenes, then you can go, you know what? I'm going to test the market today. I'm going to bring my serve out. I'm going to try two serves the new way in the match and see how it goes. And even do that in a practice match rather than a league match. 
but everybody wants to see how good they're doing. They think that the true test that they should try as soon as possible is to throw it out there in a match. And that is super discouraging and it doesn't work. So then people go and they hide in their shell like a tortoise and they don't ever really come out and finally develop the full thing. Mm, I love that, Pete. So how do we, I guess, you know, if we're developing the serve, let's, you know, but sign the scenes um, and then we're using what works in the matches, like how, you know, like what ratio do we need to, for the, the, the new technique to overcome the old technique? And are we like, you know, stunting the, the potential like speed of the growth, you know, of the new technique by like still using the old technique, you know, in crunch time, like how does that all work? I, I don't, I don't think you are stunting the growth, especially in okay. the beginning. Here's, here's the thing. Another thing too, and I really want adults to listen to this, but let me ask you this, Maribon. Yep. Who do you think learns faster, adults or kids? Who picks up uh, things I think, faster? I think, I think kids. Okay. I think you're 100% wrong. Oh. I think this is a big, I've worked with tons of kids and tons of adults. And a big misconception is adults are selling themselves way short. We always go, oh, kids just learn so much faster. Kids learn so much faster than adults. They just pick up things like that. Um, no, they don't. I've coached both. Okay. The expectation is different. And I'll tell you too, the best learners in the world, the people that I love working with the most, and that's why I call them totally obsessed tennis players are the online community. Whenever I've had someone online, think about it, they're watching the videos online. They're buying products online. They're like, I'm going to get on a plane and go train with this person. You know, me, they'll come I've had some, I've had people, I've kind of had a kid come from Turkey. I've had a guy come from Australia. People come from California, Canada, all over. And if you're doing that, that's a serious commitment to go take a tennis lesson. And all you need to do to see how good a learner someone is, is look in their eyes. And the people who are taking lessons, who are traveling to take a lesson, you look at their eyes, they are a million percent in. They are going to give you the best attention you've ever given in your life. And these are all adults and they learn faster than the kids. The difference is, is they don't think time is on their side. Like kids, like parents even think that the kids are and grandparents think that the kids are. So if a kid, you know, the biggest development ages for a kid, if they're going to be really good, maybe go play college or, or, you know, even get to the pro level. The ages of nine, 10 to that 13, 14 are huge, okay? They're gigantic. And once they get to 14, 15, 16, yes, they're still developing, but then all of a sudden, now, like if they're gonna be good, mind you, they're starting to polish stuff. They're starting, they're already those hot shots. You're like, man, I wanna play like that. They look like they're pros. But as they're learning, especially how to serve, you know, what are parents going to do with a kid who's learning a new serve? Oh, Mom, my serve stinks. I'm trying. Oh, just keep going back. You've only been doing this for like three months. You know, this is going to take you one to two, maybe even three years to learn. That's what a parent, a good parent is going to tell their kid. And they're right. I mean, usually it takes a kid ages, I would say nine to 13, 14. Then all of a sudden their serve starts looking good, 14, 15, 16. But their serves didn't look amazing and weren't really you know, very functional from the ages of 10 to 13. 
you know, once all of a sudden they start to get 12 to 13, now all of a sudden it starts to look good, but especially 9, 10, 11, it's like, if they can just put spin on the ball, they're excited, the coach is excited, the parents excited, the grandparents excited. That's the kind of expectation you need to set for yourself. That's how you learn. They're not learning faster. It's just that you, you look at the way they learn a, and a lot more realistic. And here's another thing. It's taken them that long and they don't have, you know, for the, a lot of it, they don't necessarily even have a choice if they're going to go to practice. It's just like, okay, we're doing tennis. So they know. It's a, it's a very structured system. They know, okay, I'm going to go um, to my clinic three days a week. I'm going to get one or two privates a week. I'm going to play a term on the weekend. So they have the system built in that, unfortunately, a lot of adults don't have the luxury of having. And so they're in a perfect system to learn this. And they also have the right expectation. Like, this is going to take some time where, unfortunately, too many adults, even though they're mature and everything, they'll watch a video and think, that's it. I have been missing that. Let me go do that in my match tonight. So you got to flip your mindset a little bit. Think of yourself more like a kid. How would a kid learn? How long would it realistically take a kid to learn and realize that you'll learn it just as fast, if not faster than they will, not slower? Yeah, I mean, you, you bring up some great points there. I mean, a lot of it does come down to you know, how passionate you are about it, you know, how disciplined you are and, you know, how excited you are about, about learning something and how much you put into it. Um, so, I mean, those are really important factors, Pete. So good to, uh, good to consider that. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, Pete, what are we on now? Are we on number five? Number four. Wow. Okay. Okay. Awesome. You want to go for that? I do. So kind of, uh, kind of, again, this building blocks here of ideas is a lot of adults and I get to see it on video refuse to practice in bite-sized chunks. Mm -hmm. Like I, I will, I will make, I have a couple of ways that I know that this is the case. And again, a lot of these students are great, but they get even better when they come to me because again, now I'm right in front of them and they're going to do the drill that's right in front of them. They're not going to decide to do their own version of the drill. And so I do find that this is one of the things, but again, if you do my seven day serve challenge and you send in the video, I'm going to show you, hey, that's not what I asked you to do. Um, so it is real coaching. So in the seven day serve challenge, I'll, I'll lay out a specific drill and say, do this drill, take a video of yourself doing this drill, send it in. Nine times out of 10, person is sending their full serve motion from the baseline. Mm. They refuse to learn in bite-sized chunks. This is another big key stumbling block holding people back from serving properly. You watch 
a part of a video that's maybe teaching you one thing. Like, like I love Jeff's elbow, the enemy move, you know, yeah. and the best way mm -hmm. to learn that elbow, the enemy move is to start elbowing the enemy and throw the ball. Well, people will try and do the full motion and then figure out how mm. to think if they're going to elbow. It's not going to happen like that for most of you. It's just not going to happen just because you hear the idea yeah. elbow the enemy and then you think, well, now I got to elbow the enemy on my serve. It's not going to happen that fast. You got to practice right from the elbow the enemy move and do the serve. That's how you can start to actually get that one move. So if you learn how to break down the stuff in bite-sized chunks, you have a much higher probability that you're actually gonna learn how to serve properly. And a lot of people out there are not willing to do that. They'll show me videos, I'll send, hey, do this. And again, it comes back, they're, they're right back at the baseline trying to do the full thing. And so just be patient with yourself, be willing to do, take fun and pride and enjoyment out of the journey instead of always wanting to get to the destination right away. Yeah, I always feel so good when I just have this attitude of like, you know, I, I love practicing. I want to figure this out. I want to get better and, and enjoying it and being grateful um, that, that, you know, I'm able to even just play tennis. But, um, you know, you talk about breaking down different aspects of the serve. And I'm curious, like, how, what's your approach for that? Because I know that a lot of players in the audience, I mean, even myself, you know, like we have more than one problem area. So then like what, how do we what's the approach like do we do the first one like in sequence and the next one or the one that's troubling us the most like what are your thoughts on that yeah so i mean again everybody's different so like i have a program called next level university that's another way i see people saying videos hmm. and then you know sometimes we're just starting from a specific point that is uh intrinsic to the way they do it so there's that, but also just generally speaking, I mean, I, I like the way that Rick Macy always talks about, we got to reverse engineer this thing. And what does that mean? It's basically mm -hmm. like you almost start from the end of it, make that the beginning, right? Because the beginning for people is to start with their hands together and then go through everything. Reverse engineering yeah. is to like, there's one drill I have in the seven day serve challenge where we just start, which is becoming very popular right now, which is kind of scary. People go out and they drink and then they throw hatchets at a board. Okay. Uh, I don't know how great an idea this is. Me and, me and my girlfriend were actually at a pizza place the other day and they actually had like a tournament on TV where they were throwing hatchets. But I do do a drill where we start right from the hatchet, which is going to be one of the last moves until you go up and hit the ball. So mm -hmm. like, that's an example. It's like, you know, I'm starting basically from the end we're just starting from there and I'm giving you specific ideas on how to do it. And when you do my hatchet move in the seven day serve challenge, one of the things is you're going to start hitting a slice serve without even trying to. And you're going to be like, it's, it's going to be like, oh my God, is, is it really that easy to hit a slice serve? Yes, it is. Sweet. Love that, Pete. Um, yeah, cool. I will again uh, have the link to the seven day serve challenge in the show notes and it's tennisfalls.com slash serve challenge. Sweet, yes. Pete. So let us go to your final reason. Number five. This is huge. Yes. Most people, and this is kind of crazy um, because now I'm working again, uh, not only with adults, but I'm working with high performance juniors. And these juniors are pretty good. Like they're pretty good. <laughs> and nice. And, uh, and they're training every, just, just like we talked about, you know, they're going to their clinics, they're taking their private lessons, they're, they're doing everything. 
And it amazes me. So again, adults who are basically seeking out the information. Remember, a lot of people out there, why are they going online? Because they're going to their club and it's just not, the information just isn't there for them. They have junior development programs and then they have like adult drills and clinics and socials. You know, a lot of pros for whatever reason don't think that adults want to learn the nitty gritty parts of the game. But there must be a lot of them because a lot of them come online to try and learn it. So what I found is that a lot of juniors and adults, when they miss, they really don't know why they miss. They mm -hmm. see the result. And then at the lowest caveman level, the answer is, why did you miss? Because I stink. That's why. That's like <laughs> caveman answer. Because they smell I bad? Suck. Weird. What's that? I said, because they smell bad. You said they stink. That's yeah, not a reason. Stink. Right, right. No, yeah. but I mean, people say, I stink, I suck. I yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> my serve is terrible. Like, they'll give that as a reason. Like, that's caveman answer. Okay, yeah. a better answer is, well, I dropped my head. And then all of a sudden, they just start regurgitating tips that they've heard from me or other instructors at the club, you know, and... They're just trying to go through a roll, Rolodex of answers, but they don't even, they really don't even know, you know, they're just guessing that that's, and they say it until they, you know, hit one that you're like, yeah, that's right. You know, like perfect example. I mean, literally I had that from a young lady uh, a week ago is she hit a serve long and it was a second serve. And I said, and she was upset. She came back, she slapped her thigh and she started to kind of berate herself and, Mm. And I said, what's wrong? She's like, well, I'm missing all my second serves. And I'm like, well, why did you miss that one? She goes, well, um, I dropped my head. And you could tell it was a total guess. I'm like, well, no, the serve went over the net. So your head was up, you know, and you, you know, I was watching you serve. The head was up. So why, why did you miss it then? And then she thought for a second and then she goes, I don't know. Mm. See, so people literally don't know why they're missing. I said, well, on that serve, I saw you didn't really start. You're like, to really snap and build up the racket head speed mm. and curl around the ball, get that grip, you know, the same way that you would grip a toss bend forehand. You didn't build that up fast enough to make the ball spin and rotate into the box. Cause she's not just, you know, tapping the ball in there. She's trying to swing out. Like you see the pros swing out, but she didn't go aggressively enough at it. So the ball didn't have, you know, kind of like to compare it to football, didn't have a tight spiral on it and had like a wobbly spiral and it just kept floating long past the target. And so you're going to get a lot better when you can learn how to be your own tennis doctor. When you can, when you can say, this is why I missed rather, rather than get emotional, you can just observe why you're missing. You go, I missed because of that. I missed because of that. And that's what I also teach you in the seven day serve challenge. Another thing too is, you know, gain the habit of whether you send it to a coach or you just send it to yourself, taking this thing out. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, that that's the taking the phone out. This is a podcast. And, you know, we're also doing video, but I'm showing a phone right now. And what is amazing is at every age, and, and there's certain facets of my life too, where you you know you just make excuses, but they're not real excuses. You know, I mean, I've I've talked to adults who who run companies, you know, and and are way smarter than me. And I'll say, send me a video, I'm like, well, you know, I just don't I have I guess I have to go out and buy a camera and I don't have a tripod, like all these <laughs> excuses. I'm like, you have a phone. These phones are like, they're like top of the line cameras now. The phones are like 
amazing camera. So you have a camera and you can literally go on Amazon right now and order a tripod for 15 bucks. You can, yep. you can go to Walmart, Target, anywhere and go get a tripod and you're in business where, where I've heard it all. You know, I don't have, I guess I have to go out and get a camera. Oh, well, you know, I don't know if I can get my wife to really take any video of me in the next couple of weeks. It's like, these are like excuses for like yeah. not going on the diet that they're, they're yeah. just yeah. not real. Yeah. And there, there it is. Those are the five. And I, I've done Boom. a lot of coaching and I'm telling you, if you can look at these five reasons I've given you and you go, you know what? That ain't so bad. I can do those. You can learn how to serve like the hotshot juniors. You can learn how to serve like your, your, like your coach at your club. You can learn how to serve like, you know, Roger Federer or Serena Williams, you know, will the serve be as good as them? Well, you know, like my service is pretty good. Is it as good as Roger Federer and Serena Williams? No, <laughs> but it's got the same elements that they have. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying, you know, I'm going to guarantee you 120 mile an hour serve, but I'm going to teach you the key elements that make up a professional serve. So if you want to, you know, play beautiful tennis, like I mentioned earlier in this podcast, you can do it. So I have two follow-ups to this, and I hope I don't forget uh, the other one. Um, but I'll tell you the first one is you did mention how your your student she was not quite getting that acceleration, and you know I felt that in the past where I you know I feel like I just don't get that acceleration needed to really um, you know get a lot of uh, you know hit a heavy serve you know, have a lot of speed on it. So do you have any tips for us to? get more racket head acceleration, which really is key to hitting a, a big serve. Yeah. So I can try and explain it as best I can in the podcast. Now in the yeah. uh, seven day serve challenge, I really get visual about this. Number one is the pros you'll see sometimes when they drop the racket. So for the people watching this video, maybe on Instagram, you know, you'll notice that that the wrist gets like really loose and has a weak look back mm. here. So you'll see, you'll see it kind of this like hanging here, like as they're getting into their tilt. Okay. Mm. This is actually a big power move, this nice, relaxed wrist that's drooping down. Then, but if you put some um, players get up there, so they'll, so again, it's almost the same thing, but instead of it being down here, now it's up here and it's really loose. So you can whip it. And that's another thing, too, that I really like to have people think about is think of the acceleration like a whip. It needs time to really build up that pop. And so if you're late and getting closer to the ball and then you accelerate, it's not enough time to then by the time you're hitting your target to kind of get that kind of, you know, result. Think about if you had a whip and you just stood right next to basket let's say you want to whip a tennis basket of balls and you stood right next to it well if you crack the whip you, you wouldn't have enough room it wouldn't really be making that sound it wouldn't be a you know kind of like that violent sound that you hear a whip now if you stand back however long the whip is let's say the whip's 10 feet you stand back a good 10 feet and then you crack the whip by the time it hits the basket it's going to have so much more acceleration and pop into it so i want people thinking about their whip even before before the acceleration happens. Like, again, when I get up into what I call a secret power source, okay? So this is before the racket drop. When I get up into the secret power source, I am thinking about full steam ahead. I'm thinking about whipping right out of this position. 
where some people are still like coming behind their head and then going up and then they start to accelerate yeah. and that's too late. Yeah. I see what you mean. Okay, great. I was going to ask a clarifying question, but yeah, that's what Rick Macy, who I'm actually going to be speaking with him in, uh, on Monday, which is going to be fun. But he, um, you know, he mentioned that synchronization between the racket drop and um, pushing off with your legs. And so, yeah, I've, I've filmed myself and I have that issue too, um, which I've been working on for a while where I, I kind of drop the racket first and then I start accelerating. So I think mm -hmm. that's, that's a big one. Um, and I mean, what, any tips on how to do that? Are you just like, you consciously try to try to time that, like, you know, the push off with the drop? Is that kind of? Yeah, well, that, that I actually um, have studied that same video from Rick and he just verbalized yeah. so well. And that's part of the seven day serve challenge. I'm like, the racket drop is dictated by the leg drive. Yes. And again, sometimes you'll watch the pros and you'll see like, well, it looks to me like the racket drops going a little earlier than the leg drive. But again, it's, it's their thinking of going up. Okay. Mm. It's like their legs have kind of coiled down as low as they they've got. Now the ray is spring up. So when they get to that position, even though they haven't sprung up yet, you know, they're thinking about springing up. So that's, so that's when the racket's going to start to drop behind the head. And at that point, when those legs start to shoot up, they're going full steam ahead. But again, even if you don't jump, you, you don't need to jump to get that same experience. You know, mm. it's, it's like, you know, you could be on the ground, but however much you're going to bend your knees, when you start to get up on your, maybe you get up on your tippy toes when you serve rather than jump, you know, it's that same experience. That's when you need to be whipping. That's when you need to be going in your racket drop. And the rack's got to be going full steam ahead. And that's why it's important to learn how to hit spin on there. Because, you know, just like the pros, when they swing forehands and backhands, they're pretty much going full steam ahead. But the ball is going in safely all the time. You know, so they couldn't do that if they hit every ball flat. Yeah. They couldn't do that if they hit every ball flat. That's, that's why the spin keeps the ball in. So we need to learn that same kind of method for how do you make a ball spin with a serve? And that's why it's so important to have the right elements. You know, you can hit 10,000 baskets of serves with a hammer grip. You're never going to get a slice or a kick serve with it. Yeah. And, and Pete, the other follow-up question, which thankfully I remembered <laughs> is, you know, you talk about knowing like the reasons why we miss our serves or they're not optimal. And I was curious because I, you know, I've seen your serve, of course, and, you know, in my opinion, not just saying this because you're my podcast guest, but I think you have a very nice serve, uh, wicked slice serve. I mean, you've, you've taught that one on the summit before us, the slice serve, um, love that one. So why do you think that your serve is not as, you know, fast or powerful as the pros like you, you know, you just mentioned a few minutes ago? Yeah. So to answer that, it's. Again, well, I mean, certainly there's athleticism involved, you know, like, like the way yeah. how flexible Novak is. I mean, yes, that's an ability mm -hmm. that he has okay. over me for sure. Not only just because of my age now, but just in general, he's, he's this uh, more flexible person than me. Yeah. But I would say also it kind of, your question kind of reminds me of Tom Brady was out there uh, on a, on a, on a field with a throwing coach and, he was throwing the same pattern over and over and over again. And the coach was just fine tuning each and every throw. 
And Tom Brady was just eating up all the information. When he left, he's like, I feel like we made a major breakthrough day. And he's leaving the field super pumped up. And then his throwing coach said, yeah, Tom feels like he made a major breakthrough today. But today, but it's really like frog hairs, okay? So hmm. when you look at somebody who's got a good serve, like, like me, and then you look at somebody who's got a great freakish serve, like, you know, Roger Federer. Yeah. Like who? Uh, Ivo Karlovich. Yeah. But that's like, he's six, nine, but I mean, Roger Federer, <laughs> right, is about my, Roger Federer is about my height and the serve is obviously way better than my serve because he's Roger Federer. Okay. So that's when every element starts to come to frog hairs, you know, like mm. the timing is just that much better in every single yeah. move. And so the results just add up, you know, uh, even I got to talk to Sam Query one time at the Australian Open. He had dinner with a group that we were at this, um, uh, what was it called? Oh, I don't want to forget, Tennis Ventures. And he joined yeah. the group. And everybody's asking, well, what's cool. the difference between like, you know, just like you kind of ask me, like, what's the difference between like you and Roger Federer, you know? And he just said, those guys just do everything a little better. And when they do everything a little better than you, it turns out to be a lot better. And so mm. that's how I can <laughs> kind of explain it. You know, you can look at my serve and go, oh, it looks pretty good. You know, it's a good serve. I don't really see much wrong with it. I mean, everybody, of course, there's things to improve, but in general, it's pretty good looking serve. Why isn't it as good as Roger Federer's serve? Well, he's doing all the same things I'm doing, just a little better. And then when that pops off his racket, it's a lot better. Love that, Pete. Thanks for that. It's really cool that you got to chat with uh, Sam Query and you know, give him a query about his serve. Sorry, that was <laughs> yeah. terrible. That joke. <laughs> yeah, I love those. So this has been some really great stuff, Peter. I want to ask you uh, just a couple more questions. I mean, one just simple one is where can people go to to connect with you? Uh, where would you want them to go? Well, I think the best place to start is YouTube. If you just go to YouTube and you type in Peter Freeman Tennis um, or Crunch Time Coaching, you just put that in the little search bar. You're going to start to see my videos. And that way you can kind of decide if you like my teaching style. I, I think that's important too, is to find either an online instructor or an instructor in your uh, neighborhood that you uh, connect with. You like the style. You would go, I want to watch another video from this person. They, it makes sense. They're helping me. So I would go there. And then from there, uh, I would definitely on, on pretty much almost every video, I usually offer something for free to get you better. Uh, it could be a free serve mm -hmm. course, it could be a free forehand course. And if you fill that out, then you'll obviously you'll be on my email list. And if you get on my email list, then you'll always see when we're doing challenges, when we're doing different training events um, in person, like people come out here to Atlanta. We go to the Cincinnati Western Southern Open together. So you start to learn about stuff like that. You learn about, I'll also be talking Maribond's Tennis Summit up. I do something called Tennis oh, yeah. Con, you know, yep. uh, so you'll always know what's going on uh, with online instruction. Uh, and and so I, I would recommend they do that. Uh, I mean, I, I love Pete. Like he just does so much for tennis players. Like I've got to say, like I was really just, uh, amaze, you know, because I, I forget what exactly it was, but it might've been last year's tennis con where basically like, if you got it, then you also got to send in videos much like, you know, with, um, 
the seven day serve challenge. And like, he's getting a lot, you know, a great amount of videos and, you know, he, he not only like spends so much time to create like great challenges and, you know, products and, and conferences, but he's also like spending a lot of time to actually review the videos that you all send him. And that is not easy. You know, uh, he is reviewing them. It's not like he's uh, outsourcing them to somebody, you know, so it's a lot of time spent. So I got to give you kudos for that, uh, Peter. And I'm, I'm personally really excited to join your seven day surf challenge. And I want everybody listening to join it with us. Um, so again, that is going to be at tennisfiles.com slash serve challenge. And you can, again, you know, just check out the show notes page as well for the link on that. So, Peter, any final thoughts on the serve? Um, you know, just want to let you have the last word on that. And, you know, you can tell us anything else you'd like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, the serve is a challenge. That's why we have a seven day serve challenge. <laughs> there and, is. <laughs> and and um, part of the serve challenge is to really kind of like the idea of, you know, for most of us too, at some point, it gets hard to stay in shape and to eat right. So what do we do? We go, we go into a challenge. Uh, and, and, yeah. and the key is, is to take that motivation and to take that information. You know, if somebody shows me seven great exercises said, look, all you really need to do is these seven exercises to get in great shape and eat these meals, to get in great shape. And I do it for the week. I'm like, yeah, that's really awesome. You know, well, if after that challenge is over, I then stop doing it. Well, then all of a sudden I'm not going to stay in very good shape for too long. So, you know, that's the key is to really enjoy the process, enjoy the journey and enjoy the repetition of it. You know, mm -hmm. like if you want to know the secret to success, here's the thing. Enjoy the process, enjoy the journey, enjoy the struggle. Uh, one thing that's kind of interesting. So you bring me off on a little tangent here, but I think this is important. I asked people what I made a video, 10 ways to uh, still improve over the age of 50. And I was asking, what is your version of tennis greatness? And for so many people, they said, when I, when I play tennis, I just want the game to feel easy. I want to feel relaxed. You know, I want, basically everybody was like answering, I want to be in the zone. Mm. And yeah, that's great. I want to be in the zone too. But the zone really comes around like five times a year if you're lucky. Okay. Rafa didn't win the Australian Open by getting the zone. Rafa won the Australian Open by living his mantra. He says, I think to be a great tennis player, you have to enjoy suffering. I mean, and, and if you watch Rafa play that match to in many people's mind now become the greatest player of all time he lived that in that match and that's has been his whole career didn't come easy to him he wasn't in the zone he didn't play the best match of his life it ended up being one of the best matches ever but rafa didn't just play the best match of his life what we really appreciated of it was the grit the fight the willingness to get beat up for two sets and to somehow think you have a chance you know, that's what a tennis player is about, not just getting to reap the rewards of being in the zone all the time. That, that's a tough level to live up to. But if you can enjoy the struggle of learning how to do a new technique that's not coming easy to you, you know, staying out there and beating a grinder that you don't particularly enjoy playing that day, dealing with the wind, dealing with the sun, playing in the cold, playing in the heat 
tennis is a challenge. Tennis is a struggle. It's not about going out there and playing amazing tennis every day because then it becomes very frustrating. <laughs> but if you can appreciate the fact that you're going to struggle and that's okay, then you will love tennis. Ah, so beautiful. So inspirational. Oh my gosh. That was so good, Pete. Wow. That, that might've been your best, you know, speech ever on, uh, you know, when we were making content, I just, uh, I love it. And yeah, you know, it's just, you got to get out of your comfort zone in order to improve. And when you're out of your comfort zone, you're not going to feel comfortable. So you're going to have to suffer. And, you know, if you can just enjoy that, that process and just understand that it's going to bring you to great heights. And also just remember that nothing great is, is going to come easy. Then that's, that's going to help you so much. And like, I, it's funny, another tangent, I was watching these YouTube videos of Mr. Beast. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's, oh, sure. a pro he's prolific. And I, I saw some videos like three or four years ago when he didn't have like high tech sets and equipment and he did some astounding things. Like he said, who did he say? Um, he would say like the name of an influencer like a hundred thousand times. Oh, Logan yeah. Paul. That yeah. was one video. And like, you know, he would just do, you know, he'd, he'd like collect every Snickers bar in like as many stores as possible, as many, as many Walmarts. And like, it's something that like, you know, not many people would like, nobody would want to do that. But it just kind of reminded me like, you know, when I saw that, it's like he has the type of um, mentality that I'm going to go through this suffering because I know that, you know, I'm going to get the recognition that I want because nobody else is going to do this. So, um, you know, that was just similar thought I had yesterday when I, when I watched his old videos and, you know, thanks, thanks Pete for, uh, for educating us about that. So, uh, that was great. Again, I want to tell everybody to, to join myself and Peter with the seven day serve challenge. The serve is arguably the most important stroke in the game. And, you know, if you can take some time out of your day to, to work on this challenge, which as Pete mentioned, a lot of it is going to be, you know, at home training as well, which is quite convenient. And then, you know, as long as you do that challenge and then you, you continue, um, with those, uh, things that you learn, then you're going to really up your game and uh, challenge is really fun. And, you know, a lot of people have done challenges with Pete throughout the years and have loved it. So again, that's tennisfiles.com slash serve challenge. And check the show notes as well uh, for that link. So, Pete, uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it, was, it was really fun as usual. And we're going to be doing uh, a lot more content in the future, you know, on the summit and live streams and podcasts again. Love to have you back soon. So thanks for everything you're doing, Pete. Appreciate it. Yep. Anytime, mate. Take care. You too. Thanks. All right. I really hope that you enjoyed my chat with Pete about the five reasons why tennis players can't serve properly. I think you definitely want to write those down or take notes uh, about them in some format, perhaps your Apple Notes or some other app uh, or your computer, Google Docs, etc. And I, again, would love to see you join the 7-Day Serve Challenge. And you can do that by going to tennisfiles.com slash serve challenge to check it out. Definitely uh, go to that link and check out the details. And again, the link to the seven day surf challenge will also be in the show notes page for you to click or press on, but uh, you can also just type in tennisfiles.com slash serve challenge. And if you enjoyed this podcast episode and if you enjoy the podcast, then I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review for the show in your favorite podcast app of choice that you use to listen to the show. And you know, you can go to tennisfiles.com slash apple podcasts if that is 
the particular app that you use the most, and I find that that is the most popular one. So perhaps you would like to leave your review there. Alrighty then, um, with that, I just want to leave you with a quote as I often do at the end of the show. And this one is by Albert Einstein. And Albert said, a person who never made a mistake never tried anything new. Love that quote. And again, thanks so much to you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Hope you really enjoyed it and that you got a lot of value from it and hope to see you in the seven day serve challenge. Check out that link at tennisfiles.com slash serve challenge. And I will see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. This is Mirabhan Aranshad signing out. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit tennisfiles.com.